Many of you are in service-based businesses, which means so much of your time is spent, well, serving others. No surprise there. But what may come as a shock is what happens when you put better boundaries around your time, spending less energy on activities that pull your attention in different directions, and create better habits around pushing your energy where it's needed most. It's in that push that you'll stop feeling so overwhelmed by every single thing that lands on your plate. You'll become more aware of what's on your schedule, why it's there, if it's actually the best use of your time, and if putting your time and energy toward it will create more of the results you actually want. If you're someone who struggles with constantly feeling behind or is easily pulled in different directions and you're ready to take more of the right actions that will boost your bottom line, this episode is for you. You're listening to One Simple Shift, and I'm your host, Amanda Denley, the mindset coach that believes it is possible to have a beautiful, balanced life and a successful, thriving business. In fact, what if success wasn't as complicated as everyone was making it out to be? What if the magic formula you've been looking for has been you all along? Each week, I cut through the noise and bring you one simple, actionable mindset shift you can implement today to completely transform the way you show up daily. All success starts with the right mindset, and it's time that you create the life and business you've always dreamed of. Let's get started. My guest today is Danny Lynn Fountain. Danny is a marketing strategist and whip smart whiskey drinker currently working at Google. She has 10 plus years of experience as an entrepreneur and strategist. Today, she works with creative entrepreneurs and corporations to strategize and implement marketing processes to increase their leads and sales. Her specialty is focusing on passionate storytelling, regardless of industry. Beyond strategy, Danny is the author of four books and a regular speaker on marketing and entrepreneurship. She's also the founder of the hashtag Side Hustle Gal movement. Her work has been recognized by Forbes, Bustle, Business Insider, Cosmopolitan, Girl Boss, PR News, and more. Danny, welcome to One Simple Shift. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit in your own words about what it is that you do and why you do it? Yeah, distilling things down simply, I'm a passionate marketing strategist. I have a nine to five at Google and a five to nine doing my own thing. And I love what I do because I have the opportunity to show people that you can't necessarily have it all, but you can do both. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I think that's such an amazing perspective to have because I think I know when I was working full-time in New York City and I mean, I had a nine to six and then an hour commute. So I feel like I was working like a seven to 11 but um, and blogging and, you know, trying to run a business at that time. Um, I think there's kind of this there's kind of a stigma that you have to like jump ship to to have a business, right? Or to have some kind of side hustle. And in order to make it work, you have to really like quit your nine to five and like go all in. And I'm not saying that that isn't true, but I love that we're kind of bringing up this conversation that there is another way and that you don't necessarily have to choose one or the other. Oh, 100%. I see the glorification of the I quit my job today posts. And while I'm very excited for that moment because it's so empowering, 
I'm, I'm also a little bit jaded because I don't want an I quit my job moment, but I'm still successful. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I love those posts too. And I remember that feeling when I did quit my job. And I mean, to be honest, it felt more like a, okay, I'm not working full time anymore. I'm going to be freelancing from a different state instead kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, So it didn't really... It, it didn't feel like I was like, oh my gosh, dropping everything, like nothing to fall back on or anything like that. But I think that there is a lot of glorification around that. And it can si- sound like really glitzy and glamorous and like, oh yeah, I built it up and now I can leave. And I think that, you know, we kind of discount this idea that that can be scary as fuck all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yes. like it can just be this like terrifying moment if you don't have the structure and the clients and the processes and all of that in place to support you. So I think that it's just a really, like a really solid conversation to have to talk about how you can do both. Um, so talk to me about kind of how you got into your side hustle and how you decided that you actually wanted it to be a side hustle and you wanted to keep your full-time job. Yeah, we we talk about the four motivators. I'm sure you've heard this. Um, pretty much every human on the planet can sum up their motivations in four categories, money, time, creative expression, and impact. And I am unashamed to say that my core motivation is money. Um, definitely impact is my secondary, but money is for sure my first. And so when I started my side hustle, Um, I was in high school. It was a great resume opportunity headed into college. But to be frank, the reason it stayed a side hustle was for money. I love that my side hustle funds my travel, funds my enamel pin addiction. Back in the day, funded my luxury handbag addiction before we went (laughs) minimalist. Um, (laughs) It just, it lets me do those things that I couldn't necessarily do on just my full-time salary. Totally. And I think that's so important to know too. Like, I think just how you explain that and how you are really in touch with what your core motivator is, is incredibly powerful because that allows you to take actions that are actually in alignment with that. And it kind of helps you to see how the pieces fall into place, right? So, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be that person that would leave your full-time job because you love love having that income from your full-time job and from your side hustle. And it kind of allows your life to work in this kind of like beautiful way. Um, So I think just like really acknowledging that about yourself and not necessarily saying like, oh, well, that's a bad thing that I'm motivated by money or some of the other stories that I can, that I see entrepreneurs and creatives kind of tell themselves around that, but really just deciding that, yeah, I am, I'm motivated about money and I live my life in this way. And it's actually, um, you know, what funds all of these amazing things that I want in my life, like designer handbags and travel and (laughs) all of that kind of stuff. Um, So I really think that's, that's quite beautiful the way you put that. Um, So I know you and I are going to dive into a little bit of time management today, because I know that as a side hustler, you definitely have a few tips up your sleeve. So I'm really excited to dive in. Can you tell me what the one mindset shift that's made the biggest difference for either you or your clients has been? Yeah, it has been understanding push versus pull activities. 
and choosing which one to focus on. Okay. Let's go a little bit deeper. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, so when you think about your calendar or your to-do list or whatever way that you manage um, your business, your life, you can generally sort everything on that list into two buckets. There are push activities, and push activities are your disseminating information, giving results, pushing your attention if you're a coach, and then pull activities. Other people needing things from you, pulling your attention. Um, bookkeeping is something that pulls your attention. And so when you sort your to-do list or your calendar into those two buckets, in a dream world, you're doing more pushing than pulling because that's how we drive results. Uh, mm. But most folks, myself included, when they first do this analysis, they're actually being pulled more than they're pushing. Yes. And I know that there are probably like a handful of mamas that listen to this podcast that are like, yeah, okay. My entire <laughs> life is pull activities. Like there's literally no pushing going on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think like, I mean, I don't have kids, but I'm even thinking like it, it can be really hard to really make those push activities a priority because I feel like, especially in a service-based industry, I mean, you're really customer service focused, right? So I think that our impulse is almost always to do those activities that are going to serve our customers. And I think when we think about it in this way, it's it's really like this beautiful way of looking at those activities and seeing like, oh, okay, I haven't really been doing all of the things that I should be to move my business forward or to really, you know, push things in the right direction. So I think that's just like such an incredible way of thinking about it. Um, how did you come across this idea? I'm so curious. So I actually only discovered it two years ago. Uh, I am part of the productivity at Google team. Um, okay. So it's this little club of people really motivated about productivity at Google. And we become certified trainers and we teach other Googlers how to be more productive. And one of the trainings that they offer is time management for productivity. And it's a 90-minute training that blew my mind. <laughs> and this was, it was essentially like, if you take nothing else away, take this away because it will change things. And they talked about being brave enough to turn down meetings where there's no agenda, being brave enough to leave a meeting if it's been 30 minutes and you haven't either given or received value. Um, so really like taking ownership over your day and your time again. And it changed my perspective. Ah, that is incredible. So if, if you're one of these people that's listening to this and you're like, okay, I'm definitely not doing more pushing than pulling, how can you go about shifting that? Yeah, there are two very simple things that you can do to start. The first thing is go through your email and identify the questions or the emails that you send most often, create an autoresponder, and put the answers in the autoresponder. So for example, if you send me an email, because I'm a side hustler, the very first thing that I tell you is when I check emails. 
And it explicitly says bumping your emails will not get you a faster response. <laughs> I absolutely loved this. So I got this autoresponder um, when I had emailed you back and it was like, sending me another email will not bump your email to the top. <laughs> Um, and so I was I, like, that's so amazing because yes. how many emails do we get where people are like just circling back on this? And it's like, okay, you like, it hasn't even been enough time to circle back on this, let alone <laughs> expect a response. Exactly. Uh, so that's item number one. And then item number two, I actually have a podcast and get guest requests a lot. So item number two is... I will not read your submission unless it's in this form. And then item number three is I actually don't do coffee chats. Um, And so it's how to have a conversation with me if you want like a coffee chat type conversation. Item number four is the customer service stuff. And then it explicitly says if your email has been answered by one of these bullets, you will not receive a reply. And it just helps me manage things a lot better. Um, I've had it up for about three months now. I used to have something similar, but I got like a lot more strict about three months ago. Mm, And I've mm -hmm. never had someone be mad when they didn't get a reply. (laughs) It sounds, I'm like laughing because that sounds like, of course they wouldn't be mad, right? But I feel like those (laughs) are the stories that we tell ourselves, right? It's like, oh my gosh, people are going to be so pissed when they get this autoresponder or I'm going to get such hate mail or, you know, what? it can spiral. Those thoughts can totally spiral. Um, But like, I think those are some of the fears that come up around, you know, putting that kind of autoresponder up. So do you have any tips for us about how to kind of like handle those thoughts and handle that fear about like actually just putting up the autoresponder? Yeah, the biggest thing that I encourage is match the tone of the autoresponder to the way that you actually talk. So I'm a very like no bullshit, nuts and bolts, nitty gritty type person. And so getting that tone in an email from me is not going to be shocking because people know that's how I speak. If you are a softer person, have the autoresponder reflect that. You can be like, thank you so much for sending me an email. I'm so excited to chat with you. And then say, here are a few suggestions on how we can better interact and then outline the things. And because it matches your tone, your people will not be surprised. Yes. And I feel like this all stems from the fact that email can be like a giant time and energy drain. Do you feel that way? Yes. Yes. I, so there are so many tips out there that say, don't check your email first thing in the morning. I can't do it. I check my email first (laughs) thing in the morning, but these things. So, and I also have a bunch of filters set up in my inbox, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but simple things like this have given me so much more freedom. I will open my inbox and have three, four, 500 emails in the morning. And I only respond to maybe 50 of them. You're popular, girl. (laughs) No, I'm just really busy. (laughs) Um, So that is piece number one. You asked like top two tips. Um, Number one is set up an email autoresponder. And number two is on Monday morning when you come back in the office from the weekend, look at your calendar for the week and any meeting on your calendar that you don't have an agenda for, request one. 
any meeting that you don't need to be in. So maybe it's your assistant and your project manager status update. You don't need to be in that meeting. They will tell you if there's something important. Don't attend that meeting. So request agendas, decline meetings that you don't need to be in, decline meetings for projects that are no longer a priority. I have this recurring meeting in perpetuity on my calendar for a project that I canceled two years ago. And every week I would just not go to the meeting, but like, why is this meeting still on my calendar? Delete it. Um, So the other thing is 30 minutes every Monday morning, fence your time. Yes. And I think that goes back to just creating better boundaries too. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten on with, I guess like with clients back when I was, back when I started the design business where they were, they'd get on the call and they'd be like, okay, sorry, I haven't had a chance to read your, your email or the questionnaire that you sent through. Um, so what are we talking about today? And it's just, it's one of those things where if you have better boundaries around your time, if you're more upfront with people that we're going to have to reschedule this call, if I do not receive these answers back from this questionnaire so that we can make the best use of both of our time, um, I think like just kind of putting that structure and those boundaries in place can be so helpful because I I see this happens, this, it has this kind of like ping pong effect or, you know, clients and that client relationship, you kind of like enable each other. Right. So if I was to say like, Oh, that's no problem. Like here, let me like go through and ask you this question. Like, and we'll just go through the questionnaire together. Right. Like they are a grown adult. They know how to answer a questionnaire in their inbox and we can just reschedule that or move it to a different time so that we can make a better use of that meeting, right? So I think just really recognizing those moments, especially when they're happening more than once, right? So when it starts to become a pattern and you're saying like, okay, like this really needs to stop happening, then just putting putting like taking a hard look at it and like thinking about, okay, what can we do to shift this? Um, So I absolutely love that kind of just conversation about like fencing your time and boundaries. Yes. I have it very clear in every deliverable that I send a client that A, any delays on your end will be reflected one for one on my end. So if it takes you three extra days, I get to delay my deliverable three extra days. Um, But then B, if it's not responded to completely, I will cancel our next call. I even do that for podcast interviews. Like I have people who will schedule a podcast interview with me but they won't fill out the bio and headshot question. And I will cancel the interview if they don't provide a bio and headshot because I'm not going to chase you for that to put it in my show notes. (laughs) I love that. Um, Well, it's so true though, because I mean, that happens to me too, right? Where it's like, I'll send it along later. And it's like, okay, guys, if you're like, it takes you maybe five extra minutes to just pull your bio and pull your headshot. Like, You don't want to, when you think about how much time that you are creating for yourself by saying, I'll do that later, and then you have to remember to do it later. You have to like get in that same like headspace again, find the bio, find the headshot. Now something that could have taken you five minutes is taking you 15 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it in that respect, when you're like, okay, like, is this something that I can just take care of right now so that it doesn't become like more of a to do and take up more time in the future, I think that can be really powerful as well. And there are two pieces to that too. So on average, people that use 
the unread function in their inbox as a to-do list, like opening an email and then marking that email unread, will on average open those to-do list emails 20 times before taking action. Oh and my if God. Each, if each time takes you like a minute to read it and then decide, ah, I'm not going to do that. Every single email in your inbox wastes 20 minutes of your time. So A, and B, when we're multitasking or dividing our attention or constantly coming back to things, you lose 10 IQ points for everything you add. So if I'm doing two things at once, I'm 10 IQ points dumber. If I'm doing three things at once, I'm 20 IQ points dumber and so on and so forth. So you're literally encouraging yourself to be less intelligent by avoiding these things, doing multiple things at once, whatever the case may be. I think that's like so incredibly true and not only on the business front, but I can't (laughs) tell you how many times I've put like bacon on the skillet and I'm like, oh, like this will cook and I'll just go get dressed for the day. And then I end up burning the bacon. Like no joke, this has happened multiple times. And I'm like, okay, if this isn't a sign that I need to stop multitasking, I don't know what is, right? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Because we always think that we're being more productive. We're like, oh, I'm going to be so smart. I'm going to get two things done at the same time. And when you really think about it, when you put it like in statistics as eloquently as you did, you're not saving yourself anything in the end, right? No, you're just, you're making life more difficult. I mean, even when we were, so you were recording the intro to this podcast and the first time you did it, you had a question and I was sitting on mute because someone had pinged me a question in hangouts. And I literally did not have the brain function to recognize that you were talking to me and unmute myself because I was pinging. (laughs) You have to focus on one thing at a time. Totally. And I see this. I think we live in this day and age where those distractions are amplified, right? Mm -hmm. So like notifications on your phone, um, you know, your significant other walking into the room, um, the dog wanting to go out or the dog needing something else, like the UPS man coming, like whatever it is, like distractions are at an all-time high. <laughs> so yes. I think when we when we can really notice that and we can say like, okay, I'm going to give this one thing my undivided attention, that can be so powerful because there are so many people who just aren't doing that, right? Yes. <laughs> and I mean, we can recognize it in ourselves. There are so many times where we're just not doing that, right? <laughs> yes. it's And it's so frustrating too because I see – the potential for these incredible results just get like pilfered by our desire for perceived increased productivity. Yes. Oh, so true. When it comes to focusing on the right actions that will actually help you to generate more leads, land more clients, and have more time in your schedule, it can be really difficult to see the forest from the trees. Because in this online world where everyone is selling you a different solution, it can be really easy to sit in a story that you need to gain more knowledge, get more certifications, change up your copy, rebrand your website, the list goes on. That's why I think this mindset work is the single best investment you can make in your business. Because unlike a social media course, this thought work will actually stand the test of time, helping you to cultivate the mindset you need to take more of the right actions, make more of the right investments, and create a thriving life and business that feels good to you. 
If that sounds like your jam, you're absolutely going to want to join me for my free stress to success coaching call. Together, we'll uncover the mindset shift that will make the biggest difference for you so you can start taking the right actions consistently and start saying no to the things that aren't bringing in results. Head over to amandadunnelycom slash free call to book. I only do three of these each week and they've been going fast. So get over there and book yours today. So how do we deal with people who aren't necessarily okay with us adjusting our push versus pull focus? People who either think that they should be receiving responses faster or don't like how long things take or anything that kind of bubbles to the surface there. So a good way to think about this is when someone chats you something. Um, So if you've ever worked in an office space, people will chat you that they need something instead of emailing you that they need a thing. So for example, my old boss used to chat me all the time that he needed slides for our deck that week. But when you chat someone to something, you're implicitly saying, I need this now. But he actually didn't need those slides for three to four days. The same is true for email responses. An emergency on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And so by setting up these boundaries and clearly communicating these boundaries, you can be so bold as to say, I have absolved myself of the responsibility for dealing with your emergencies. Um, But that's probably going to piss people off. (laughs) um, I encourage people to have a little bit of grace. Um, The first time that someone responds to me demanding implicitly or explicitly demanding something immediately or faster than the timelines that I've set, I will engage, I will provide the thing. And then I will say, just so you know, I've updated my processes And I have this as a canned response. It's just so you know, I've updated my processes. These are my typical response times. I only check my business email on Mondays and Wednesdays. So if you need something from me on Thursday, you need to ask for it by Tuesday so that I read the email on Wednesday. Otherwise, you're waiting until the following Monday to get it. Do you find people are relatively understanding of that or does it like ruffle some feathers? What is your personal experience with that? So the first time that I got very, very bold about it, it ruffled feathers. But when I explain the why, people get a lot more understanding. So in my case, I'm juggling a nine to five, a five to nine, and a pretty hectic travel schedule and expecting same day replies to things, expecting same day turnaround to things that you need from me assumes that I'm sitting in the same place all day and have the bandwidth to do that when nine times out of 10, I'm huddled in the corner of an airport or in some remote location that doesn't have US quality internet. And so just explaining the why, the, hey, I'm trying to balance these things. I'm grateful for the life that I get to lead, but it requires a little bit of adjustment. People get a little bit more flexible. And the same can be true for hey, I run a business, but you know what? I also have kids and I'm not going to be at my desk all the time because I'm picking up sippy cups. I'm going for walks. I'm taking kids to school. Just communicate the why. I mean, I think that's so valuable. And also 
I think that we're really good at communicating those boundaries when there actually is like a meeting that we're in or, you know, a reason we had to go, you know, take our dog to the vet or pick the kids up at school or whatever it is when there's actually like a reason there. I feel like people are really good at sticking to those boundaries because they're like, look, I just had something else going on. I couldn't answer your email immediately. But what I see happening is that when we're kind of the ones enforcing the boundaries, when there isn't necessarily something else that we're doing at that time, other than I'm batching responses and this is the most efficient way for me to work, I think people start to really get shy about enforcing their those boundaries because they're like, well, I could answer that email right now or like I could do this thing and turn it around really quickly. But like I know I promised myself that I was just going to answer email once a day and that's where things get fuzzy. So do you have any tips for kind of like committing to working in this way or committing to these actions? Yeah, and it's very simple. Self-care needs to become an item on your to-do list. Because we honor all of the things, all of the events, all of the other people in our lives. And I'm especially speaking to the women right now. Mm -hmm. Um, We're very good at honoring all of those commitments. And we are awful at taking care of ourselves. But if we take self-care and put it on our to-do list as having equal priority of all of those things, it's not, I have nothing else I could be doing right now. It's I am taking care of myself right now and this can wait. Yes. Oh my goodness. I I have so much love for what you just said <laughs> because it's so true. Like, I mean, I'm training for a half marathon right now. Like those runs are on my calendar. Like that was the first thing I did. I printed out the training plan and I put every single one of the runs in my calendar because I knew that I just wouldn't do it if it wasn't there. Right. And I, sometimes I see this disconnect between putting between like the to-do list and just like listing everything out that we have to do and actually making time for those actions. Because Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you work in the corporate space and I did for a while too. Um, you know, we, we basically lived by our calendars, right? We had oh, meetings yeah. going on. Like <laughs> that was pretty much how we we went through our day, right? Was just like if it was on the calendar, it needed to be handled. But I think when you step out and you work for yourself and you go off on your own, there's you kind of like shy away from running things in the same way. Sometimes because you have like PTSD from the corporate life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I think like there's this impulse to just be like, oh, I'll just like see what happens during the day. But when you really like put the structure in place and you start putting things on your calendar and blocking off time for things um, that are most important to you, like the self-care and the meetings and like creating time to actually work on the projects that you discussed in the meetings. <laughs> um, I see that being um, kind of a game changer. Yes. And so once you make those things a priority, you're also communicating to other people that you care about yourself. Um, so if you've ever been in a, in a conversation with someone and you've said, oh, we should catch up. And they're like, oh, I'll send you a calendar invite. When they say, I'll send you a calendar invite and you accept that, that like, oh, sure, thank you. You are communicating to them that their time is more valuable than yours. The response should be, no, I will send it. Um, What's the best email? Because if you're not fencing your time, people are going, 
that person is going to choose the time that's best for them. And the next thing you know, at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, you have a meeting because that was the time that's the best for them when really you would have loved to head home at 3.30. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So true. Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. So any final tips for us before we wrap up? I think the last tip that I can leave is just remember that your time is your time. And just like anything else, if you don't nurture it, it will go stale. It will break. It will die. So own that. Own your time. Take responsibility for your time and manage it well. Yes. (laughs) Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. If listeners love what they heard from you, where can they find you? Best place to hang out with me is over on Instagram at Danny Lynn Fountain. Amazing. You guys heard it. Go check her out over there. Danny, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to One Simple Shift. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at amandadunnelycom slash one simple shift. If you're loving this podcast, do me a favor and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews truly mean the world to me, helping me to reach more people and have more impact. And as a special thanks, each month I'll be picking one reviewer to win a vision board design coaching intensive with me so you can create your own definition of success. If you're looking for more support in creating a beautiful, balanced life and thriving, successful business, head over to amandadunnelycom slash free call and book my free Simplifying Success Coaching Call, where I'll help you identify one simple shift you can make to cultivate a success mindset and start seeing results now. And remember, sometimes the only thing standing in the way of a more profitable business and a more fulfilling life is one simple shift. She's also the founder of the hashtag Side Hustle Gal, Side Hustle Gal Movement. <laughs> is that right?